Welcome to our show, Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer. I'm a psychotherapist and the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. Each week, I'm joined by another therapist from the Anchor Light team to tackle important topics in mental health and psychotherapy. Our goal is to promote well-being by normalizing mental health challenges. We are here holding ground for you every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. Good morning. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW, where we bring you a little bit of everything in the realm of psychotherapy and positive mental health. My name is Laura Richer, and I'm the owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am joined once again with my co-host, Denise Johnson, who is a marriage and family therapy intern here at, at Anchor Light. Good morning, Denise. Good morning, Laura. It's nice to be here again. I'm so glad you're here again because we have a great topic to discuss in the realm of couples therapy. Tell our listeners a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we are going to do a little deeper dive into the topic of defensiveness, which is a real problem within couple relationships. Absolutely. This is a topic, I don't know if I've ever worked with a couple who, where we didn't address defensiveness in couples therapy. And I don't know if I've ever been in a relationship where I wasn't defensive myself from time to time. I agree. If you do a quick search, the Webster Dictionary defines defensiveness as a way to defend and protect. And of course, that's natural that we're going to want to protect ourselves. The second definition, though, is interesting. It says it's when one is very anxious to challenge or avoid criticism. Mm, yes. Yeah. So ultimately, if you're too anxious, right, to hear anything negative, you're not necessarily taking your partner's influence. Yeah. Do you agree? Yes. And we know the Gottman. Uh, research has identified that couples who are unwilling to accept the influence of their partners have a higher percentage of of the relationship ending or or ending in divorce. Yep. That's why it's one of those four horsemen of the apocalypse. And they did a lot of research where they recorded couples and really analyzed the differences between the couples that were, you know, ended up staying together and um, having a positive relationship versus the ones that ended in divorce. Yes. Yeah. So this is something for positive, healthy connection in your relationship. You're you're going to be, you're going to want to become aware of defensiveness, your own defensive behavior. And you might start to notice your partners. It's actually very easy to notice our partner's defensive behavior. Sometimes it's harder <laughs> to notice our own. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's important to note that conflict is actually an important part of any healthy relationship. Mm-hmm right? Because we're two different people or more with different perspectives. So there's no way that we're going to get away with no conflict. So we have to be able to learn how to deal with it and how to deal with it in a healthy way. And I think, you know, working on our own defensiveness is important. Yes. And I think for a lot of people who fear conflict, who maybe are more anxious or avoidant when it comes to conflict, they don't realize that conflict can actually be a door to creating a deeper connection with your partner, having a better understanding of them. But it can be challenging because sometimes that conflict comes in the form of a complaint where they're they're upset about something that has to do with your own behavior. And there's there's different reasons why people get defensive. Um, you know, some of the reasons can be that they feel unfairly judged or criticized by their partner. And it's hard to accept Mm -hmm. that feedback. And so instead of 
of acknowledging it or validating it. They want to just put that back on them. Um, we also have blind spots to our own behavior sometimes. And so sometimes when people point out our behavior as, as hurtful to them, we might just feel that it's inaccurate feedback. We might not even be able to recognize it. And that could trigger a defensive response. I agree. And right now I'm re, uh, reading Wired for Love. Have you read that book? Yes. And I love that book and I recommend it to all of my couples because it has such great exercises and information. So Wired for Love by Stan Tacken. If you're looking for a good resource, check it out. Well, I'm just beginning to reread it, but you know, he talks about how our brains are actually more wired for war than they are for love. And so in order to have a good relationship, you really have to rewire your brain. And it's important to recognize the brain primitives versus the brain ambassadors. So the brain primitives are when, you know, we perceive a potential threat and we have very fast responses. They're often automatic, unconscious, tied to past triggering events. Um, and, and there are reactions that don't require a lot of resources. Whereas the brain ambassadors, which is really where we want to tap into in order to have the more healthy type of conflict that we're talking about, those parts of the brains do the brain do require more resources. They're a higher thinking area of the brain. And so we have to be able to think logically and use higher functions, such, such as like complex negotiating and reasoning. So it's really important to be able to self-soothe. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, you know, that's a skill. Sometimes we feel like that if we're reacting in a certain way, that it must be what is triggering the response when in fact, it could just be that we need to develop better coping skills or the ability to self-soothe. And that, that is a skill set that you can develop and you might not necessarily have that in a relationship might really show you that, that you're in need of developing more self-soothing and coping skills. Yeah. And I, I, I have some suggestions for that. And then I'll bring that up in a little bit, but I want to talk about, you know, what are some examples of defensive behavior within the context of a relationship? Do you have a few examples of that? Yes. Yeah, so I think that anything that is deflecting. So if your partner brings a complaint to you and says, Hey, you know, you said you were going to do the dishes and you didn't, and you immediately go, well, you didn't do the laundry or, you know, how busy I am. Like, why didn't you do the dishes? It, it it's something that deflects from, you're not validating or acknowledging your partner's complaint. You might be taking a position of superiority or kind of go into a form of like righteous indignation of like, how dare you? Um, you could even if you're being defensive, you might take a stance of like innocent victimhood. You oh, know, yeah. How could you say that to me type of a, instead of acknowledging what the person is bringing? It really hurts me when you do that to me or you say that to me without acknowledging what they have brought to you. So I think all of those are forms of, of being defensive. I think in couples therapy, I very often see like, but you know me, you know that that's not my intention. Mm. And they're not yeah. what they're missing. And that might be a very valid point. But what they're missing is they're not addressing their partner's concern. And so their partner is left feeling unheard, unacknowledged, not validated. And so then the argument is just circular. What do you notice in session, Denise? Yeah, I would say I totally agree with everything you just said that ultimately 
if we can't take influence and we're just getting very defensive, then we're not really taking responsibility mm -hmm. and taking responsibility of your part. Cause it's always two takes two to tango is really important. I, I see that pattern where often, you know, like you said, one partner criticizes and instead of taking that in and maybe apologizing, uh, the partner that's listening to that comes back with the retaliation, like yeah. what you said, like, well, you didn't do this. Well, but, and it just goes back and forth and back and forth. So, yeah, I think it's really important to be able to just slow down, get into that higher part of your brain through the self-soothing and, and take responsibility for what your part might be. And I think it's important to acknowledge that a defensive response like you pointed out comes kind of from like that reptile fight or flight part of your brain there's not often a lot of thought that goes into it and what you're trying to do is is protect yourself that we can feel mm -hmm. that our our partners being upset with us feels very unsafe or it feels mm -hmm. like it um like there is you know the same type of threat that is present if you know you were about to crash into another vehicle your nervous system is triggered by that um but Unfortunately, when you have a defensive response, it it never creates the result that you want. Because once you put the blame back on your partner, they're going to feel criticized and they're they're even more likely to amp up their criticism and try to get you to see their side. So defensiveness is always perceived as blaming them for what they're hurt about. And they're there, it's not going to take you where you're trying to go. Exactly. And the thing is, is if a partner is complaining or you're retaliating with complaining, it may seem like you're being vulnerable, but really that's not vulnerability. Mm -hmm. When you're complaining, that's already, you know, your guns are out, you're on the defense. So kind of letting that go does require some vulnerability. It does require softening and asking for what you need. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to do that. Maybe they had a past experience where people weren't there for them. So they'd rather get defensive than be vulnerable and then be disappointed. Yeah. But like you said, it, it it's not going to get you to where you want to go, which is ultimately to feel closer to your partner. Right. So I think it's really important to remember you're on the same team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, that there isn't a threat like a lion chasing you, that this is your partner, this is somebody that you love, and that they're coming to you because they have, you know, a complaint sounds like a, a, a harsh word maybe, but that there's something that they're upset about and they want to be seen and heard. And if you shut that down, you're shutting down the opportunity to connect with them. But like you said, you know, vulnerability is not taking a victim stance. Being, being in a victim mindset is not really a very vulnerable place to be. Um, it can be actually a very manipulative place to be. A really vulnerable stance would be more like, you know what, you're right. I didn't do the dishes and I'm sorry. I know you were expecting me to do that. I'm going to go ahead and take care of that now. I mean, you can imagine the response to that is going to be much better than, well, you didn't do the laundry. Exactly. I think that one of the ways that we can really look at how our own defensiveness is showing up is understanding our own inner narrative. It's really interesting about judgment. I think that often we get defensive when we have some inner, you know, the inner critic is getting touched upon. I love this example. I heard this once, which is, you know, if I was to call you, judge you and say, I think you're an alien mm -hmm. from another planet, 
because you have no inner narrative that I'm assuming you don't, but you know what I'm saying? Like you would think that's so ridiculous. You right. just kind of laugh. Right. Yeah. But if I said something like, well, you know, you're not very smart. Not that I would say this to you, but whatever. If, if you're, you're hearing something that's triggering your own inner narrative, mm-hmm. your own negative thoughts, that's when, you know, that defensiveness just gets triggered so quickly. Like it's so automatic and yes. you, you shut down. You're not actually listening at that, at that part, at that point, you know? I think that's probably the number one reason that we have defensive behavior is that we on some level, and it could even be a very unconscious hidden level, we kind of feel found out or we feel shame around whatever behavior is being called out. And so we're trying to to deflect and, and maybe put that back on our partners. So that's a great thing to, you know, there are certain things that you become very defensive around. Why is mm-hmm. that? What, it, what, you know, maybe you have your own work to do around some, some shame or judgment that you're carrying with you. I agree. I, I think really working on that inner sense of, of safety mm-hmm. is so important. That's where the self-soothing comes in. And so you can use, you can use your defensiveness as a way of understanding where your work still lies. You know, and then ultimately, if it's something you can change, change it. If it's something that you can't, then accept it. And then that's when humor can come in. Like we're all flawed, right? So if there is, if you have a flaw, why not just accept it and laugh about it? Exactly. And it doesn't, and, and own it when you make a mistake, maybe you're very forgetful and and you forgot to turn the lights off and it really bothers your partner and they have pointed that out to you. It's okay to just say like, yeah, that's something that I struggle with. I'm going to try harder next time. Exactly. So how else do you think defensiveness gets in the way as far as, you know, two people being able to connect and understand each other? It just shuts everything down immediately. So there is no room for repair. There's no path forward. If I, if my partner brings a complaint to me and I shame them for having the complaint or blame them for whatever has gone wrong, I'm not hearing them. I'm not, they, they're mm-hmm. being vulnerable, probably bringing this to me, depending on how they're presenting it. Um, mm-hmm. And now I shut it down. There is no room for connection at that point. They're going to probably become defensive in return or their criticism of me is going to amp up, which is going to cause me to become more defensive. So defensiveness just, it's so toxic in that it just blocks any path for repair or, or moving forward. I think it also uh, blocks empathy. Mm-hmm. That's why that Gottman Rapoport intervention is so helpful. And I'll just describe it briefly. It's basically a speaker listener exercise where you take turns. And while the, the speaker is sharing their feelings and their needs, the listener is writing down and really letting go of their side in order to really be in that place of empathy and putting themselves in their partner's shoes. And it's, it's fascinating to do that ac- exercise because you begin to realize, wow, as I'm, I'm committing myself to listen, there's a lot that I didn't understand about this situation. Unfortunately, though, what often happens in a conflict, especially, is we're not really listening. We're actually preparing our comeback. We're in a state of reaction. and. So it's so important to be able to soften 
listen and tap into empathy. Like your partner's not there to, you know, intel, hopefully intentionally just hurt you for no reason. They're in some sort of distress and that's why they're bringing their, their issues out to talk about them. And I love that exercise. It's always fascinating to be the observer of that exercise because you see when people have a period of time together where they've had difficult conflict that can't be resolved or that it escalates and there's no, they don't end up feeling heard in any sort of way that the messages that they hear from their partners are actually much different than what the partner is saying. So when I've asked clients, okay, what did you just hear your partner say there? Sometimes they will repeat back something that no one in the room said, that that's just what they thought they were going to say. And so that's what they heard. I know it, it is quite interesting. And I've used that exercise myself. I even did it with my uh, teenage daughter and it was so helpful you know, being able to listen and, and put yourself in, in the other person's shoes really does work magic. Yeah. But in order to do that, right, in real time, you have to know what's happening physiologically. And that's where the self-soothing comes in. The Gottmans talk about this a lot. Um, noticing when you're flooded, noticing if your heart rate is up, if your muscles are tense, and being able to self-soothe and regulate is really helpful. I'm reading another great book. Um, it's called If the Buddha Was Married. Um, and there's a section in there that I think is really helpful. It just talks about um, taking some deep breaths, softening your belly, noticing your breath. Like you said, just becoming aware of what's happening, noticing the rise and fall softening your muscles, your shoulders, because all of this is going to help you start to get into that higher part of your brain and out of the primitive brain. And then a great mantra that they mentioned is you can just tell yourself it matters, but it's not serious. Mm -hmm. You can just keep repeating that it matters, but it's not serious because I think that's what happens when we go into full defensive mode is that our bodies think we're in danger when really that's not the case. Right. And you're usually projecting out some sort of, you know, thought about a future scenario. If I let this behavior happen in the future, you know, something horrible mm. is going to happen. So you're even responding to stories that you're making up in your mind. And if you can take a step back, I know when we prepared for this show, I shared a story with you. When me and my fiance got a puppy, we were both being woken up in the middle of the night to take the puppy out and we were both irritable and, and I can't even imagine for new parents what this experience is like because it goes on for months with the puppy it only lasted for a week or two, but some, we had a little bickering in the middle of the night about something. And I thought in my mind, this will not stand. I am going to say so many things about this and I'm going to make my point. And I'm sure I had all kinds of things, you know, negative flowing around in my mind. And then I slept on it in the morning. I woke up and I thought, mm, I don't even care about this. We're just kind of both <laughs> testy. We don't like being woken up in the middle of the night. There really is nothing here. So I literally slept on it and there was really nothing to respond to. That's not to say that bigger issues don't need to be addressed, but I think a lot of times when we get into these patterns, it's just the little things that we're, we're escalating over the dishes and somebody's socks in the living room. You know, we don't even realize our nervous systems are telling us to respond when in fact, like you said, take a step back, take a breath, walk away, calm yourself. Mm -hmm. You might not even think it's important after that. 
I agree. I, I became very disciplined recently in my own relationship after making, you know, the mistake of, of being somebody that could get defensive is yeah. just to realize that as long as I'm flooded or I'm noticing my partner is flooded, chances are we're not going to be able to have a good communication. And so it's that discipline to just say, hey, let's take a break. Let's calm down. Let's come back together when we're feeling more relaxed. And then you can actually have a really productive conversation. Yeah. yeah. So it does, it does take discipline because when you're in that, that fight or flight, you want to fight, you want to defend yourself. And, yeah. but it's important to remember your, your intention, your goal. Right? You want to not... resolve it right now. It needs to be oh, resolved yes. now. And the thing is, you're not going to resolve it when you're in that state of mind. So the more you want to stay and resolve it now, maybe use that as a hint that it's time to walk away. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel this intense, heightened sense of urgency, you're probably yeah. in fight or flight. <laughs> yes. Because you... you can, you can yeah. resolve the issues with the dishes in, you know, an hour and nothing, no one is going to die necessarily. It's something that you can come back to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what do you do though, in real time when you notice, well, one, you notice your own defensiveness, but also when you notice your partners in that mode of defensiveness, that's a tricky one. I think that that could be a good, uh, you know, opportunity to take a breath or take a break. And then mm -hmm. when you, you know, if your partner is open to it, you might be able to call out the behavior, you know, if that's conversation that you've had before to say like, Hey, I feel like, you know, your response is defensive, or I feel like you're not hearing me. Um, but sometimes, you know, when we're upset, when we're getting defensive, we're really not open to that. So maybe a little break is okay. And then coming back to it and, and, you know, maybe finding a different way to say it too. Maybe the way, maybe your approach is critical. Maybe you can take a step back and find a, a less, um, a less judgmental or critical way to present the information that you're trying to present to your partner. Yeah, using a lot of I statements rather than you. Yes. That's a big one. We also talked about in, I think, the last podcast or the one before about the gentle startup. Mm, yes. So if both people know about that and can utilize that, which is just how you go about introducing conflict um, and using a more gentle startup, uh, that's going to really melt the defensiveness as well. I also think... This is the most challenging thing, but I think it is possible. If you notice your partner's getting really defensive and you manage to stay calm or do some self-soothing so you're not also triggered, is to just see their distress, like have that empathy, like, wow, they're really struggling. And sometimes you can just offer like a reparative statement. So like, hey, you know, I, I can see you're really upset and I really want you to know I care about you. And I love you, you know, and, and often all it takes is one person to say a reparative statement to just melt all the, you know, tension, offensiveness, and to, you know, be able to come back to that realization that you love each other. Absolutely. And it's hard because sometimes, first of all, the gentle startup is so important in, you know, how the conversation starts is how it's going. That's going to be the tone of the conversation. So if you're coming at things from a harsh, critical place, you're probably going to get a harsh, critical response. And we do that when we're feeling unheard, but it's definitely not effective. So it's just going to perpetuate more of what, what we don't want. And then the other thing is sometimes when we're feeling hurt, 
we get into this places of wanting to be in a standoff with our partners and say like, well, I'm not going to give if they're not going to give, but somebody has to give. So like you said, just a statement to just soften what is happening. Hey, we're on the same team. I love you. Like, I want to work this out. I'm not trying to attack you. That can work miracles. Very simple, but hard to do sometimes. I like what you said about, you know, being willing to be the bigger person. And I think both people have to do that. Both have to commit to that because it's going to be certain times one person's triggered more than the other Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But if both people can, you know, learn some of these skills and understand what's happening, then you got a better chance of actually having reparative conflict, which like you mentioned in the beginning is actually really good for a relationship. It can really bring you closer together. It's not necessarily a good thing to avoid. I would say it's not necessarily, it definitely is not a good thing to avoid conflict because then, you know, resentment starts to build and, and you, you lose connection. Yes. Avoiding conflict is always going to create more conflict somewhere at some point you might be delaying it, but you're, it's, you're going to deal with it. And it's usually not going to be in the healthiest of ways. And, you know, I love the idea of sometimes people get into a standoff with each other and they're like, I don't want to be the one to be the bigger person because Mm -hmm. I always have to do it. But if we can look at it more like, okay, we're, we're working together as, as a team. And maybe in this moment today, I'm aware of what is happening that we're kind of falling into this pattern that we get into. And I'm, I'm recognizing it right now. Maybe my partner isn't, but that's okay. I'm going to be the one since I recognize it to try to, to change the the course, change directions here. And also know sometimes your partner is probably going to be able to recognize it when you don't. And the, it's a team effort. And it really does come down to who is more resourced in the moment. Yeah. It does. It takes resources to be able to step out of defensiveness, step into empathy and really just listen and connect. I do think working on your own narrative, um, as I mentioned earlier, like really accepting yourself, accepting that you have flaws, you're not perfect and that's okay, can, can do tremendous amounts of, you know, positive. Yeah. So working on your own narrative, how you speak to yourself, how you see yourself. If you're really critical of yourself and you don't accept the fact that you have flaws and that's just part of being a human, you're going to be defensive, right? Because you're already in a position of feeling bad about yourself and you can only handle so much negativity, right? But if you're, if you're working on your own narrative that includes sort of an acceptance of your flaws, that you're not perfect, then you can hear that stuff and, and either, like I said, change it or, or have some humor about it. Right. And you get to learn something, you know, one of the defensive behaviors I see sometimes is people will say, I already know, I already know, I know, I already know what you're going to say. And you may not already know what that person is going to say, and you're not creating any space for being able to have that connection with your partner or be able to learn more about them in a way that could be positive and beneficial in your relationship. And the, and the reason people do that is because they're scared. They don't want to get the negative feedback, but they're also blocking the potential for something positive to come from it. I often see this happening in couples therapy, and I'm wondering if you do as well, which is there's this argument over what happened. Mm. 
So one partner will say, well, this and this and this happened. And the other one will say, no, it did not happen that way. That is not how it happened. And it just goes back and forth, you know, arguing around what actually happened, which is completely not productive. Mm -hmm. So I explained to people, you know, if I, and I think this is another Gottman tool, but if I put an apple in front of you both and asked you both to draw the apple, you would have very different drawings. It's, it, it's just a, a result of us being different people. We're going to interpret things differently. And it's not really about, you know, right or wrong. It's just about how does the situation land for each person because of their individual, you know, past and uh, the way they see the world. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important not to argue over reality. Like, what did that happen? It didn't. Did you see that a lot? Oh, I mean, I think that it happens all the time in couples therapy is that we get into conversations about the content of what happened. And as the therapist, I don't really care what the content is because it's mm -hmm. usually something that's very, you know, minor. What we're looking, you know, we're arguing about the dishes, we're arguing about who's doing the share of the labor in the house, things like that, all the common arguments that couples have. The content is not important. What's important is what is it symbolic of to each of the partners? What's underlying it? What is it? What's triggering each person in this in this dynamic? And people are always responding to how things make them feel, even more so than what is actually happening. And then you can see how it begins to be this feedback loop. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about the content, but as you notice one person's reaction, how that impacts their partner, then you'll see their reaction and it'll, it's like a tennis match. It just goes around and round and round. So it's really important to understand the cycle, the dance, the process of what's actually happening in that conflict. Not so much about, yeah, like you said, the content. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we are just about out of time for today. Denise, thank you so much. I think this is such helpful information. I just want to recap really quick for our listeners. So what we talked about a little bit today are the reasons why we get defensive. And some of those things can be we feel attacked or unfairly judged. The feedback we're getting just feels entirely inaccurate to us. Maybe we have a blind spot to our own behavior. Um, we feel found out and feel shame around the behavior that's being called out. So we're trying to deflect or we just feel really hurt or betrayed. And we, we want our partner to feel the, the same experience that we're feeling. So Denise, when this comes up, what tips can we give our listeners to, to try to, instead of go into defensiveness, notice this and respond in a different way? Yeah. I'll just repeat what I said, which is, yeah. you know, the physiological soothing is really important. And if you can't do it in real time, ask for a break, mm -hmm. ask for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you have to do to step away. And then ultimately the way to get over defensiveness is to take responsibility. Yeah. And validate your partner's experience, even if you don't agree with it. You don't necessarily have to agree with somebody else's experience to, to acknowledge it or validate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Denise, thank you for being on the show again today. I really appreciate thank having you. you here to talk about defensiveness. And if anybody needs help on working through defensiveness in their relationship, you can go to anchorlighttherapy.com and schedule a complimentary consultation with any one of our therapists um, to learn more about yourself and your relationship. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday morning at 930 AM. See you then.
Thanks for tuning into Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. And we'll see you next week.